0: I'm Kenny White, I get to be the Shakopee campus pastor and Pastor Matt and I get the honor of co-pastoring Friendship Church and serving with uh, Tracy Hatch on the leadership team as we oversee the ministries, the day-to-day ministries uh, of Friendship Church and it is a joy. Thank you for praying for Pastor Matt, he is on sabbatical, he'll, he'll be back eventually and um, <laughs> I promise... And uh, he's, he's being refreshed. I think he's been encouraged. My greatest concern is that I know that he misses me terribly. And, and so I regularly give him updates. And by regularly, I mean about every half hour, I try to send him an update what I'm doing because I don't want him worrying. And uh, now, okay, you can see he needs prayer. So uh, be in prayer for Matt and Erica. Uh, God's doing some really cool stuff and... And I think their hearts are encouraged too. Well, we are on, in a series called a Baruch Haba Beshim Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this series has kind of grabbed our attention because it is the last week of the life of Jesus on the side of the cross. We're going to see in these chapters from 11 to 16, a movement of Jesus that in some ways seemed disconnected until you realize, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that Jesus is fulfilling Psalm 119 uh, in this this section of Scripture in some very specific and unique ways. This started with the triumphal entry. You remember that? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're taking their cloaks and they're throwing it out like a red carpet. And Jesus comes riding on a donkey. And they're stoked out of their mind. (laughs) They're excited to see the Savior. Uh, Why? That's a great question. Imagine the king establishing his throne for eternity. And you get to witness it. How cool is that? Now also, imagine the same king. There's a young boy who shows up with fish and bread. And uh, people are, they're going to they're pass out. They're faint. And Jesus prays and multiplies this gift so that everyone is full. You think that message didn't get around Israel? Yeah, don't you want a king who can do that kind of thing? Uh, We need need something to eat. No problem. Just let the king pray. Watch this. Then Jesus needs some time with the father. So he goes up on a mountain. Meanwhile, uh, his disciples go across the sea. They're having some problems. Pause there. The crowd moves around to the other side of the sea. And they're anticipating the boat's arrival. The next day, the boat arrives, and Jesus is on it. But he wasn't wasn't on it when they started. So what happened? And they hear about this story of, of the Savior, this king, who can walk on water, and it's not even frozen? How cool is that? And they're telling, like, this story is getting around. He messed up some funerals too. People who were dead. Jesus made them alive. And all these professional mourners, what are they going to do now? (laughs) These stories are getting around. And you can imagine the king of Israel is the one who he can make food when there is no food. He's the kind who can walk on water. He's the kind that can raise people from the dead and heal people. Like, this is the guy we want king. Life is about to be really good for me when that guy is king. Imagine what I could get out of this. And then miss the point. And this week is going to be woven this message from the Messiah, the one who is blessed, who comes in the name of the Lord. And he's going to do everything he can to turn their attention to what really matters. Get it off yourself and look at me. Get it off yourself and see God, the restorer of the kingdom of God. That's where we are. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have your Bibles, we do have some staff in the back will happily give you a Bible if you need one. If you brought your device today, that's great. I'm begging you, please, pretty pleased with sugar on top, stay with us. <laughs> Don't go into other apps doing other things with your device. Stay focused. <laughs> you got this. That'll be my step of faith. I'm trusting you. Um, but I, I do encourage people, bring, bring your Bibles when you come to church It is such a powerful thing, one, to have the written word in front of you and be able to highlight, underline, write notes in real time on the side. Uh, Super helpful. We are going to be in uh, chapter 12. We'll start in verse 13. Verse 13 through 17 is great. It's going to talk about the image of God. Uh, Jesus is going to say, "Mm, you don't really get it. Let me help you. And he's going to point them to God. And then... This next section, verse 18 through 27, uh, many people think about the resurrection. And I'm I'm going to suggest to you today that it's really about the power of God and the application of that in our lives. Maybe even the fruit of that. We'll talk about that as we go. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the passage. We're in Mark chapter 12. We're going to walk through this first section together talking about the image of God uh, and, and then we'll identify some uh, observations from this passage. And they sent to him some, fair, some of the Pharisees. Pause there. You and I perhaps read this from our lens and we go, well, oh, Pharisees, these are bad guys. Yikes, stripes. We don't, why are the Pharisees here? Trouble. And the reality is the Pharisees weren't Trouble. In in the first century, they would have been seen as this group of people who they believed the word of God. They believed the word of God and they were very purposeful in fulfilling, doing what the word of God said. The Pharisees would have been like the evangelical leaders of the day. They would be the the Bible-believing types of people of that day. The Pharisees were seen, in general, uh, very positively. Now, the Pharisees also had a belief. And one of the beliefs is they didn't like the illegitimate king of Israel at that time. His name's Herod. He was kind of a puppet king placed there by the Roman Empire. They didn't particularly like him. That's going to play a factor in just a second. Watch this. They sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians. You see the word Herod there, right? That's because they were (laughs) pro-Herod. They liked Herod. Uh, Herod actually... You know, with the Roman Empire coming in and Herod being king, there there are some resources that they hadn't had in the past. Suddenly, these roads, they're looking pretty good. Like, there's some good stuff happening, and let's not miss it. And Herod's our guy. These two don't get together. (laughs) They're not pals. So it's interesting that we see them together in this passage. Some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. Like, when they both showed up, I'm sure there were people in the audience going, uh-oh, oh, what's going to happen? Well, they've come to trap him, and they're unified in that. They can't agree on anything else, but let's trap Jesus. Verse 14. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. In fact, he just showed that even, uh, even with the parable that he shared earlier in this chapter he he basically tells the people you're you're gonna kill me uh, he calls them out publicly he doesn't seem to care now he does it with truth and he does it with love uh, but he doesn't seem to care about people's opinion as it relates to truth in God's word for you are not swayed by appearances but truly teach the way of God you you can almost see them like trying to like eh, butter him up a little bit. Eh, Jesus, you you don't care about people's opinions. You really care about God. Okay, trap. They say, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And you and I go, eh, okay, is it or isn't? But what we don't realize is the tension of the first century. Caesar's image is on on those coins. Without going into all the detail, many of the Pharisees saw that as idolatry. Hey, if you participate in that, just the fact that Caesar's image, and people worship Caesar, just the fact that it's on that is an identifier of idolatry. Don't even engage in it. Like Keep that clear from you. So uh, the Pharisees see this as participation in idolatry. That's not good. The Herodians see it as honorable. Hey, this is a reminder that good things are happening in our world. It's not that big of a deal. Committed to no taxation. Committed to honoring uh, the empire, the Roman empire. Are these two sides. And they come to Jesus. Should we pay our taxes or should we not? They got him. Like, this is a zinger. Uh, There is nowhere Jesus goes. If he says, uh, you should not pay your taxes, suddenly the Herodians go and tell uh, uh, the king, Jesus is at minimum jailed, but probably worse. If Jesus says, yeah, go ahead and pay your taxes, the Pharisees go, idolater, I knew it. And the people turn against him. He's in a bind from a human perspective, But when you think you're going to trap Jesus, you're dumb. Like, it's not going to happen. You're not going to trap Jesus. And and he shows it. Verse 15. But knowing their hypocrisy, a couple of actors here, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. Okay, so they bring it. They brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesars the things that are Caesars, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Jesus, whose image is on this? Well, probably an image is a big deal. You should give that to Caesar. But the things that are God's are, are God's. What is Jesus saying? Imprinted on a unique group in all of creation is the image of God given to people. Uniquely and specifically, the image of God is engraved on people. There is something about that group of people or that group of creation that uniquely carry the image of God. And Jesus identified that just like give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. What is God's? Anything that has his image. What has his image? People. Give yourself to God. Jesus is saying. Like, stop, stop this silly talk and focus on God. Uh, go away from this political debate and, and go to God. Give yourself to God. Like, it, Jesus is frustrating some people in this moment. Don't miss it. It's as if, in the beginning, God places his image on people. And then there is a fall. The value of God is still there, but it's crushed. Like, I I think we're going to get on the other side of eternity and go, I didn't know we were that messed up. Boy, we were messed up. God's going to say, I was trying to tell you. You didn't hear me. More about that in a moment. Let's let's observe some things. Uh, First of all, we're created in God's image. We have inherent value because God's image is placed on us. There is a value that is for every human being, no matter how good or bad, no matter what part of the world, no, no, like doesn't matter. Image of God is placed on them. There is value there. We see this, Genesis chapter one, verse 26-27. Let us make man in our image. The Trinity is talking here. After our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. People are in the image of God, It's imprinted on each person. Also, we did damage to God's image. How badly we did damage, I am not sure. Partly because we've been flooded with this damage for so long. Like, I have no idea how bad it is. And we're probably not going to be able to tell until we're in our resurrected bodies in the presence of God before we're really able to discern that. But let's look at some passages from Genesis chapter 3, 6 and 7, then we'll skip down to 24 in a moment. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's lust of the flesh. And that it was a delight to the eyes, that's lust of the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, pride of life, that's from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, this is the world system, it comes into play uh, uh, at the destruction or at the fall of humankind where we did damage to the image of God. Let's keep going. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So we see that there is damage to the image of God. Verse 24, it gets worse. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim. And a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. For they are removed from the presence of God. We did damage. But there is good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. If you have your Bibles, I strongly want to encourage you to go there. If you have a highlighter, I strongly want to encourage you to get it out. This is a passage I don't want you to miss. Something for you to meditate on a little bit later. God can restore His image in people Uh, because of the work of Christ. He can restore it. Uh, Look at this. Now, this the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm not a Greek scholar. Here's what I know about the Greek. Here it means there is freedom. That's what it means. (laughs) In other words, we're not bound by sin. There is freedom in Christ. We're not bound by the death of this world. There is freedom. And for those who graduate from this life into the next, they're living life in ways that we never, ever could have imagined. And for those who don't know the Lord, this is as close to heaven as they're ever going to get. But in Christ, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Listen to the next verse. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God is doing a work in us in this restoration process that wherever you were, Five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago in your walk, you are looking a little bit different. Like this image is being restored in you. You are becoming more and more like Christ. His, he's working out this, uh, this salvation in you in dynamic ways, in powerful ways, in beautiful ways that is transformative, that suddenly God's image is starting to take place. Uh, I have up here, a $5 bill. Anybody know whose image is on the $5 bill? Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, good job. Uh, Good job, whoever you were over here. Uh, (laughs) It's Abraham Lincoln. Now, we know that this is just the image of Abraham. It's not really Abraham Lincoln. I can't go, what was it like to live with Mary Todd? She seemed, ooh. (laughs) Not going to tell me. Like, this is just just an image. This really isn't Abraham Lincoln. But because his image is on this paper and because it has gone through the right process, no matter where you are in the United States, we understand this to be $5. It is worth $5. And you can do some things with $5. Not tons, but you can do some things with $5. It has value because of the way it was created and because whose image is on it. That's helpful. Uh, My my (laughs) my family we we got a gift. It's it's like Monopoly, only it's called Wyomingopoly, Uh, and and it's because Cindy's family is all from Wyoming, and so they thought it would be fun to give her this Wyomingopoly, and uh, and in it, of course, there's money. Uh, It it's not real money. It it's only good when you're playing Wyomingopoly. And here's a here's a five dollar bill. Just in comparison, it seems a little different, right? Like, but in this game, this matters. And I would say that in this game, in this world, we have like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and we think like, oh, this is the image. Like, like if we could just look better, if we could just uh, work out more, boy, oh, man, I am exactly where I need to be. This image is valuable, uh, maybe if I just got my doctorate, if I just got this next promotion, oh, man, this image is valuable. It means something. Oh, if I was just safe or secure, we even use those terms, don't we? Like, that person's pretty insecure. Or, wow, they're pretty secure to be able to wear that. Um, we Like, we, we use the term security in ways like, okay, yeah, in this world, that is valuable. But I think God might be saying, "Uh, that's not even the game we're playing, you guys. And I gave something better for you. And in fact, the image that is on this is way better than that game that you're playing over here. I want to restore you to my image, if you'd be so willing. Jesus is going to, Jesus took their attention and he placed it on God. When they wanted to play politics, when they wanted to divide and conquer, and Jesus takes their attention and puts it on God and says, "You know what? You belong to Him, and the value of Him in your life is worth everything. Give yourself over to Him." The passage goes on, and sad you <laughs> I love that they were sad you see. Uh, <laughs> they were sad you see because they didn't believe in eternity. Very sad, you see. Uh, They didn't believe that there was this heaven afterwards. In fact, they took the first five books of of what we would call the Old Testament, and that's all they would accept. Anything else uh, that's extra biblical writing, it's okay, maybe helpful, but these first five books, that's what really matters. And anything outside of that, we're not going to draw our theology from, which means. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in an afterlife. It's just, hey, God is using us right now in this moment. And then when we die, we die. And that's terrible. But, uh, you know, live for God. And maybe you'll get some blessings on this side of eternity. Sadducee. Different than the Herodians. Different than the Pharisees. The Sadducees came to him. Who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. They're quoting Deuteronomy chapter 25. So, or rather, they're referring to Deuteronomy chapter 25. I know it's kind of weird, but here's what it is. So, if, if this brother... If he has a wife, he has an inheritance. To perpetuate the family line and the inheritance, the next brother would take this woman as his wife. Any child would be uh, subject to the inheritance that the brother would have gotten. It doesn't make sense to us. I get that. It did to them. Let's just leave it alone, okay? I get it. It's a little weird. I get it. Okay. So they use that. To identify something. So here's the word of God. Deuteronomy 25. What are you going to do with this, Jesus? And then they're going to give this ridiculous example. Watch the ridiculous example as we go. Uh, Teacher Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. So what does that mean? That means the second brother has to marry, okay? Uh, and the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. So they're, they're explaining, like, this is, okay, that's a really sad story. Thanks. Uh, and then... In the resurrection, which they don't believe in, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? I got you, Jesus. <laughs> For the seven had her as wife. Whose wife is it going to be? Like this is a gotcha question. Uh, but again, when you're talking about the author of creation, it's a bad idea. Jesus said to them, uh, "Is this not the reason you are wrong?" Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. If you have your Bibles out, if you have your highlighter available, highlight verse 24. And let me just state this. This is the primary reason for waywardness in the church. We don't know the scriptures and we don't know the power of God. Because if I, if I knew the Scriptures, I would try to obey them. And if I couldn't obey them, then I would have to lean on the power of God. You know, the one who spoke and worlds were created? Pretty powerful. As far as I can tell, in Scripture, he didn't even sweat when he did that. He just did it. He's pretty powerful. Verse 24. You do not know the Scriptures, nor the power of God. 25. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, uh, have you not read in the book of Moses? So Jesus is going to go back to what they believe in. Like He's not going to talk about other passages. He's going to go to where they would say, this is the, the canon of Scripture. Exodus chapter 3 specifically. The book of Moses. In the passage about the bush. How God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham. And the God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. Remember, they've all died by this time. Verse 27. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You, Sadducees, are quite wrong. Jesus takes their attention from some sort of theological debate and he points them to this all-powerful god. I've heard people say this too like I believe in a resurrection. What happens though should I be cremated? If I am cremated, how is there a resurrection? Like, oh, God never thought of that. <laughs> well, he couldn't speak and bring that all together. Uh, uh of course he can. Uh but let's, let's look at some observations here. Let's identify some things. Uh, firstly, we should have access to the scriptures and to know the power of God. I, I love this psalm. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I memorized it in a little different translation. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Like, uh, I, I love that attitude of like, I have access to the word of God. If I have access to the word of God, the, the one who spoke and created things, something out of nothing, the one who knit me together in my mother's womb, that God, he's given me his word. And I get the opportunity to not just not just uh, have access to it, but I can know it. I can study it. I can memorize it. I can I can marinate in it. I can meditate on it. I can learn to love God's word. is like this love letter to me. I get this. Thank you. Yes, that's what I want. Uh, now I'd rather scroll and see what's going on with Kim Kardashian. That's dumb. Like, really? That's dumb. Apparently a lot of Kim Kardashian fans in here, I don't know. Uh, wrong thinking leads to wrong actions wrong thinking leads to wrong actions Romans 12 1 and 2 Uh, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world lest the flesh lest the eyes and the pride of life but be transformed by the renewal of your mind That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. You see this with the Sadducees, that they go, "Ah, we only have access to this amount of Scripture. And instead of thinking through this, I'm just, I'm I'm limited my, nope, I'm only accepting what we've always believed. And it leads to wrong actions, specifically rejecting Christ. Like, there is nothing in my life that I want to reject Christ from. Uh, the, the sin that is a default sin for me, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to keep Jesus out of that. Like, I want victory in those places. I need Jesus there. And this sort of wrong thinking of wrong, uh, wrongly understanding the Scriptures and then wrongly applying them affects us in significant ways. Uh, you, uh, we don't have time to go there. Sorry, another day. Three, God is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. When you see those three things happening, you know that's a work of the devil. You know that's a fruit of the demonic. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to walk in, in his, or to know the power of God, know the scriptures and the power of God. Uh, probably no one in this room would debate uh, the resurrection. Partly because it was addressed early on in the scriptures. Uh, There were some challenges to it, some communication that came from the apostles to clarify the resurrection, uh, that that it would happen. So probably none of us are going to challenge that piece. But I would suggest there may be some other things that we challenge. Some things because we don't know the word of god and we don't know the power of god we challenge uh, i'll give you an example i hear this often when we start talking about heaven someone will inevitably say i can't wait for heaven i'm i'm going to go fishing i'm like that doesn't sound like heaven for fish <laughs> plus you mean for eternity you want to go fishing great for a couple days, maybe a week, okay, decade perhaps, but like eternity? Something better. I hear this. I When I get to heaven, I can't wait to see the people that I love that have gone before me. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's great, but I want you to imagine something. There is a God who is so great, who is so mighty, who is so wonderful that we won't even notice. We won't even think like, I'm missing out on fishing. Uh, We won't think, ah, I should have spent more time with uh, Abraham Lincoln finding out about Mary Todd. We won't even think about that stuff. Because this God is so infinitely powerful and beautiful and amazing and glorious. It's like trying to tell a baby in the womb what this worship center is like. Oh, you're going to love it. There are these, like, uh, uh, there are these, Um, video screens up front, they're like, what's a video screen? We're kind of like that with heaven, like you, you could explain it, but I'm not going to get it all, but I know that it's better than what collectively we could all come up with, and the best thoughts that we could all come up with, heaven is better than that, like by infinity is better than that. There is one person in my life that I absolutely love, like, my, my heart beats for this woman. She is my best friend uh, and is my wife. And when Cindy walks in a room, if she were to walk in that door right now, I'd just be like, oh, there she is. I'll tell you, I know where she is when she's in a room. Why? Because she, she is the love of my life. She is my best friend, and, I, like, I love being around her. She's fun. She gets me and forgives me. And there's not many people who would do that. So uh, I'm thankful. And if in eternity she stood right beside me, I would forget she is there because of the glory and the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of this holy God who has invited his creation to do what he purposed us to do for eternity. Are you kidding me? Fishing? Throw that away. Are you kidding me? Spending time with all that? Like I... Finally, I've been praying about this person. I've been praying to this person. I've been trying to glorify him in my life. I've wanted him to live through me. And now I'm experiencing him. My faith is sight. Are you kidding me? All this other stuff is just stuff. That's all it is. Like, that's great that we get to spend time together, but it's not about you, it's about him. And Jesus wants us to see, like, look at my word, know my word, and then know the power of God in my life. And so when people come, And they start saying, well, I have this sin. I just can't get a victory. I'm like, it's because you don't love Jesus. Uh Uh-oh, shouldn't have said that. Like, if we knew that kind of love that he is offering to us, what, what, what freedom could we have? What is stopping us? Could it be? We don't know the word of God. I don't know the power of God. I am not suggesting that it's easy. I'm not suggesting that it won't come with sacrifice. I'm not suggesting that people won't walk away from you. I am suggesting that Jesus is bigger and more wonderful. And I wonder if you would be willing to receive that today. In these days... In Mark chapter 12, there are a group of people who want to turn the world's attention to the kingdom of man. But the one who is blessed, who comes in the name of the Lord, he turns them to God in truth and in deed. I want to talk about some action steps, just real quick. The first one know the word. The love letter of God has been given to us. Know the word. Drink it. Like When, when you go to the gym to work out, uh, play it. Um, when you get the opportunity at your tables, around the tables, talk about it. Get in the word of God. Hide it in your heart. Fix your mind on God. One of the biggest frustrations I'll tell you that I've had this last year is that consecration prayer that we led with. Why? Because the, one of the first things is, Lord, I consecrate my mind to you. And almost daily it's like, but but did you? Are you really thinking about, like, there's some calibration that needs to occur. What does that mean? That means I need to repent of sin, confess it, repent, and call on him. Fix your mind on God. Thirdly, practice the consecration prayer. Uh, if there's something better for you, do that. But the consecration prayer Uh, might be an easy one. I'm going to put it up. Uh, It's on two slides if you have your cameras. If you want that, you can certainly take a picture of it. It's also available on our uh, app in the notes section. Uh, You can see it there as well. But for anybody who is interested, you certainly can take a picture of it as we go through our mind, our eyes, our nose, our ears, and then transition to our mouth, our hands, our feet, our lives to the Lord as the worship team comes, we're going to transition our time into a time of communion. Communion is a time when we remember the work of Jesus. God's work. Recognizing that we're all going to have struggles. Like, this is not... It's not without tension. We're all going to go to those places of it is easier to walk in the flesh than it is to walk in the faith. We're going to be there. And Jesus is greater. And he loves us more than satisfaction without him, security without him, and significance without him. He loves us infinitely more. We come together in communion remembering the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. We come together to remember that the saints throughout the centuries have done just that. You know, there's, there's the phrase, you are what you eat. And there is kind of this uh, wink and nudge at communion of like, yeah, and I, I want to I be like Jesus. Like, that is the transformation that I wanna, want to occur. I, I, I want him to sustain me, his body that was broken for me, his blood that was shed that I might have life. I, I want that. And so you don't have to be a member of Friendship Church to participate. You do need to be a member of the church. What that means is that you've received Christ as your Savior. You didn't have to go through the membership process at friendship, but you do need to have received Christ as your savior. Secondly, take some time to allow God to do a work. Like, God, where as an image bearer, are there some areas that I'm living a shattered image? That I'm putting value in satisfaction, significance, and security. If so, confess it. Repent of it. And call on him. There may be some areas where you go, I, I just, I, I don't mean this in a mean way. You just don't know. So that's a term. It's ignorant, right? Like what? If you don't know something, you're ignorant. You don't have the information. So, if we're ignorant of something, then we should get into the scriptures and try, like, what does the scripture have to say about this? How is the scripture pointing me to God in this? And to seek Him. There are four stations in this room. Uh, you are welcome to go to the station nearest you after you take a little bit of time uh, and then get both the cup and the bread and return to your seat at the end. Uh, of this next song we'll participate together. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, O Lord. We ask that you would be exalted and lifted up. Thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. Lord, I would just ask today that you would forgive us for loving sin more than we love you. That you would forgive us for those times where we saw value in the things of this world, and not value in you. Lord, restore us to the way you've called us to be. In Jesus' name.